0: Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger. And as always, we have another amazing guest. Today with us is Ben Jaskovitz. Ben is the founding partner at Highline Beta, which is a startup co creation company that launches new ventures with startups and corporates collaboratively. Ben's also an amazing guy. I've known him for six or seven years now, if not maybe a little bit more. He's the original co author of Lean Analytics. He's the original VP of product at Braz sale and Go Instance, which sold to Salesforce. He's Canadian and he's an amazing guy. So Ben, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for saying I'm Canadian. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Very uh, excited to have you on the show. We've uh, been in contact in this lean startup space for a long time, and you've been one of the godfathers of a lot of the stuff that we've seen. and. You've iterated and changed and moved throughout the years, and right now you're focused on Highline Beta, which I wanted to talk about because our audience is always looking for new models in this corporate innovation space. So why don't we start with a little sure. bit about your background and history to get folks up to speed on how you got involved in this innovation space?
1: Everything starts around 1996. I started my first company in the tech space. I was still in university at the time. I went to McGill in Montreal and that's when I got into tech and that's when I got into entrepreneurship. So that dates me, that's a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, And since then I've founded a number of different companies. I've run products at a couple of different companies. GoInstant was a B2B technology company, Farage Sale was a B2C consumer marketplace company. I ran one of the very first accelerator programs, certainly in Canada, uh, called Year One Labs, uh, with my co-author from Lean Analytics, Alistair Kroll, and a couple of other partners. And that was back in 2010, 2011, right when Lean Startup was coming out. Right. And so, you know, year one labs we, we made five investments. One of those companies, LocalMind, was acquired by Airbnb, which was super cool. And our accelerator at the time was a little bit different because we saw Lean Startup, Eric's book was coming out. And we said, well, we're going to apply this methodology. It made a lot of sense to us, it made me reflect on all the mistakes I had made up to that point with companies, running companies. And so we actually implemented lean methodology with these five startups that we invested in. We gave them a year to bake because these things take longer from early ideation. We tranched the money out through the validation steps, through the MVP building. That was a really cool experience. And that's what got me into really deep into customer development, lean startup. And then off the back of that, Alistair and I wrote Lean Analytics. The intent of that was to take that early lean startup theory and make it as practical as we possibly could. And so that's really what we did was we said, okay, lean startup, Eric wrote the book, got his own case study, his own examples because he was living it. And so we tried to take that a step further and make it super, super practical. Then went on to do a whole variety of other things, including angel investing, and then eventually got to a point where I decided to start another company, and that was Highline Beta, which I started three years ago.
0: So let's dig into that, because even though it's a three years old, it's still a fairly new model out there that we're seeing some other folks pop up this idea of a co-creation model. So why don't talk a little bit about how the idea came to be and a little bit more about Highline Beta?
1: It is a relatively new model. And the hypothesis for us is still fairly simple. My co-founder and I, Marcus, and we have a third partner on the fun side, Lauren. Particularly Marcus and I have actually not that dissimilar backgrounds, running tech companies investing in startups, you know, working with big companies as well. I spent two years at Salesforce through an acquisition. Marcus had done a whole bunch of consulting work for big companies. He had run accelerator programs with Lauren. So all of this background got to a place in 2016 where we looked at startups that are successful, startups that are less successful. What were some of the key jumping off points where things really started to take off? And very often, not all the time, but very often it's some relationship with a big company. It's you know first customer, first distribution partner, capital, something that unlocks that startup and says, okay, we're finally cracking a nut here. And so we looked at all of our work that we had done in the past and came up with this hypothesis, which essentially is that through working with big companies and unlocking opportunities that they're interested in beyond their core business, we can build better companies. We can build better startups. Right. That was the hypothesis three years ago and we felt like it needed two components one is this service arm that says we're going to go work with big companies they are clients we're going to help them with a variety of things around this air quoting innovation space again thinking outside of what is the business you're in today where are the next growth engines for your business as a large company we're going to help with those things that's a service component to the business And then we need a fund business, which is when opportunities come out of that work that are either finding startups that we can partner with the big company or this co-creation model, which is saying, let's build startups from scratch. Then we need a fund to invest in those things so that we're both de-risking our investments through the work we do with corporate clients, but also doubling down and sharing the risk, if you will. We can work with a big company, help them out. That's sort of the service side of the business. But then when opportunities come out of that that are investable, Highline beta is putting its money you know, basically where its mouth is.
0: Right. What I like about this particular model, and I see it popping up in places outside the core tech hubs is we're based here in the Midwest. So the idea of a startup getting velocity and traction outside in a place where there's not a lot of venture capital, you know that idea of finding the right corporate partners or first customers and that and getting to a quote unquote real business model faster <laughs> or through more traditional means, I suppose. That's an right. interesting proposition that this co-creation and or working with larger corporations kind of helps out. And I find that it's interesting that these particular models seem to be popping up in places outside Silicon Valley. So you've got, you know, as a high alpha out of Indianapolis that are playing right. around in this kind of similar space. But what is your take from that perspective? Do you see startups outside the valley using these different types of methodologies or different ways to build themselves? And is that a function of location or capital? Yeah. Or-
1: On the corporate side, it's about ambition. I would suggest that it's big companies that realize that whatever their business model is today is unlikely to survive the test of time. And we're talking, you know, many, many years. And so I think most big companies recognize that some action it faster than others, some don't. So I think one of it is that you know, there are big companies. And again, even big is not, it doesn't have to be the biggest companies in the world, just the ones that are the most ambitious that think, how do we come up with the next thing that's gonna keep us growing for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So I think that that's one part of it. And then the other part is from a startup perspective, I think, you know, when you're not in the Valley, when you're not in one of those markets, you do think much more practically about your business model, much more literally about the problems you're trying to solve, And so in my experience, a little bit more open to collaborating with other people, whether it's big companies or companies like Highline Beta, which is this venture studio style model that's emerging. The way I think about venture studios or startup studios, there's different terms for it. What I like about our model is that we don't assume we have all the good ideas. So we don't sit in a room and say, well, we're all... Had successes, we've learned a lot. We'll come up with a great idea, we'll go build it, and then we'll spin it out. Some companies do that, and that's well and good. We like to go find problems that actually matter to big companies or really to big companies' customers. Right. And the thing big distinction, yeah. about large companies is that, yeah, it's a big distinction, right? So for us, you know, the answer is in fact outside of the building, and I'd rather use the signals from big companies and their customers to indicate where opportunities exist. And there are a lot of assets locked up inside of big companies. Super smart people, lots of talent, domain expertise, distribution, capital, customers, you know, kind of all the things that startups want uh, and need right. to help them grow. And so, again, you know, back to the question in terms of markets, I think th- these models can work anywhere, but there's a certain amount of creativity in markets outside of, Again, Silicon Valley, we have to maybe go attack things in a different way.
0: So you're coming out to the I.O. Summit here in a couple of weeks, and we're excited to have you out. You're going to be talking a little bit about this startup plus corporate collaboration and some of the things that you might have seen in that space. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in how startups and corporates work together?
1: I think it's, it's sort of funny because when we started the company, we weren't really thinking about accelerators. And Marcus, Lauren, and I have previously run accelerators of different formats. And we've gone back to this idea of, how do you in fact run a successful accelerator program that partners big companies with little companies? Right. That's something that we're, I'm bullish on that Highline Beta is excited about. We have a different lens on them than some of the other accelerator programs that are out there. We focus very much on deals. So we actually call our programs commercial deal accelerators. The intent of the programs we're building, is to partner big companies with startups and get to pilots as quickly as possible, validate the value creation, validate that those pilots are working, see which of those pilots are going to scale inside of that big company. And again, when you think about our business model, we are a fund. And so when we see those pilots scaling inside of a big company, that's a great signal for us that there's a value opportunity there and an investable opportunity there. One of the things big companies can think about is how to run accelerators done properly. They are a, a real interface to the startup ecosystem. And we're running a number of accelerator programs now with big companies, and they've been really, really successful. It's just changing the way you think about an accelerator, focus more on these commercial agreements as opposed to you know maybe fundraising or some of the other elements that you typically see in accelerator programs.
0: There's some controversy, you know, here's from some VC firms, like don't go talk to corporate venture or don't talk to it too early. You see a lot of folks saying startups, be careful when you talk to uh, corporates and that. I'm not sure if it's slightly changing because more and more folks are understanding and dabbling in this particular space, but what are your thoughts or suggestions for startups to how to navigate early stage working with a corporate to make sure that they're not spinning their wheels or going off wrong direction or, or hindering the growth of the company by picking a partner too early?
1: if the startups really do need product in market, most of the time, right? all rules are made to be broken, but if the startup doesn't have product in market and isn't reasonably established, so early, early stage startups, very hard, because they can definitely get derailed, they can be pulled in the wrong direction. The startups have to be at a certain stage where they're ready to go into these relationships and not get squashed, even by accident, right? Right. And then I think accelerators, again, structured properly, can provide the right interface with the right deal terms, the right expectations on all sides in order to get to a go-no-go decision quickly. So if if a startup joins a program, an accelerator starts working with a corporate partner, and within three to six months, we haven't gotten anywhere, if not less, then let's go our separate ways and not Mm -hmm. beat ourselves up about it. When I think about corporate venture capital, you know, I've heard all those concerns about it. Like anything, I think there are pros and cons. That's true of VCs as well. That's true of everybody that's going to give you startups money. There are pros and cons across the board. So the deal terms, the structure, just like if you're raising capital from a regular VC, if you want to say it that way, also matters. And I get like CVCs have maybe been more of a challenge to work with at certain stages. Again, creating the right deal terms, the right structure, knowing what you're getting into. And then again, what's the exchange of value for me becomes really important. So if I'm a startup, I want access to capital, of course, but I need something else. It might be data. It might be customers, co-marketing. So we have to figure out what the exchange of value is. And then you also do have to recognize that corporates do work more slowly than startups. There's no way around. I think that's always going to be true. And so, again, making sure the startup's at the right stage becomes very important.
0: Let's pivot a little bit and talk about the future and some of the things that you're seeing, either from an industry perspective or trend perspective. What is exciting you and some of the work that you're doing?
1: One of the most interesting things for me is that companies, larger companies now, are really starting to take more of a portfolio approach to everything they do. This is something we talk a lot about at Highline Beta, this idea that there is no one answer to a problem or an opportunity. And so we're working with more and more companies that are building ventures organically. This is why we say we're in the venture building business, not necessarily the startup building business,
0: Right. because
1: a venture could be an internal venture. It could be an external venture when it becomes investable. But we're seeing big companies take a portfolio approach. They're starting to launch these venture groups or these venture arms that are building organically ventures and applying lean methodology and sort of separating themselves from the core business to work differently. And then they start doing that and they say, okay, that's great. We're starting to spit out MVPs. We're starting to spin out products, maybe companies or internal ventures that are growing. But scaling that's very hard. You start to think about all the, the resources, the people you need. Then they say, well, what are the inorganic options that I can use? And then those can be an accelerator program for, you know, partnering with existing startups, investing in startups, or again, you know, one of the Highline Beta's models is co-creation. So we're starting to see big companies realize, I need to take a lot of kicks at the can. i got to take this portfolio approach, just like a VC does when they make a portfolio of investments. And I know not all of them are going to win, but if I can do some organic and some inorganic, it gives me this nice balance to really go out and ultimately solve problems for our end customers and consumers and create value, which is what we're trying to do.
0: Well, and I think that trend of looking outside their own walls and knowing that they probably can't build everything themselves and nor should they be trying to do that. And then secondly, it's very difficult to build a disruptive stuff when you are incentivized to keep your existing business model going and optimized and that. So again, this forward thinking, looking outside and quite frankly, partnering, whether it's partnering directly with startups or partnering directly with other firms like yourself to help them navigate that space seems to be some of the forward-thinking corporations seem to be going that particular path versus some of the old ways they used to do business.
1: If I were in charge of a big company, I would be doing everything. Yeah, uh, Not you know, spray and pray, uh, <laughs> but I would be saying, what are all the tools in the toolbox? How do I start to use all of them? How do I make sure I don't make a disproportionate bet in any one of those? So if I say organic venture building doesn't work, we can't build anything in-house. So, we're only going to partner with startups. That's going to have other repercussions. Right. And so, to me, you need a balance. And that's what an advantage of being a large organization is that you should have more tools in your toolbox versus a startup which says, here's my one kick at the can. I've
0: got to focus. Project, yeah.
1: You know, five to 10 years and I got to focus on this one thing and <laughs> this thing better work. They work, you know, asynchronously, whereas big companies can work synchronously across a bunch of stuff. So that's the part to me, and I think you're absolutely right, that big companies, when they think about, we have to innovate, the first thing they think about is, what can we do ourselves? It's a very natural reaction. I mean, I think almost everybody thinks that way, even startups, they think, okay, what can I do? And then I would never tell a big company, don't try to innovate on your own, because if you completely ignore that, you're gonna lose out on a lot of stuff, a lot of learning, a lot of insights, a lot of talent development. But I don't think big companies can completely innovate on their own either. And so, again, you need this balance between this inorganic and this organic. And if you can do all of the things that are available to you and test them all, see which ones work, iterate on those tools, then you have a chance at really creating huge value over time.
0: Absolutely. So you're coming out to the IO Summit. Is there anything you want to preview about the talk you're going to give? I think I just gave most of the talk there. <laughs> Excellent. We'll still no, buy a ticket. Uh, come on out, uh, folks that are listening. But <laughs> yeah, yes,
1: yes, please. Yeah, what I'm going to try to do is go through in a little bit more structure how we're thinking about these ideas of big companies innovating organically in a new way, but also doing stuff inorganically, trying to show some case studies and examples of stuff that we've been involved in and we've seen others be involved in that. It's early days, but it's working and I'm excited about. So if we can show people examples and say, look, this is actually something you can do or you can do or anybody can do if you just start to build up the foundation and get at it. So that's what I'm hoping to really talk about is this new concept of this venture arm within a large organization designed to build stuff organically, but also look to the outside world and share a few case studies, and examples, then some dos and don'ts or watch outs of things that you have to really think about, particularly on the corporate side, if we think about okay, well, how do I streamline things like legal? How do I streamline things like vendor management? because these are all the things that completely destroy relationships with startups when just becoming a vendor to receive payments from a big company can take six to nine months yeah you know that's a sort of a quick summary of a bunch of stuff, but hopefully we'll be practical. I like to try to keep things practical and not theoretical. It's sort of in my nature. Show a bunch of examples and get people excited about these opportunities to go build solutions to innovation and growth. It's not as hard as people might think it is.
0: I'm excited for you to come on out. Thank you very much for being on the Inside Outside Innovation podcast to give us a preview. And I'm definitely looking forward to having you out and showing you around the ecosystem here as well. Looking
1: forward to catching up. It's been a while. So thanks for having me.